All right, everybody. Very warm welcome to everyone to Didactic Mind, episode 69, Cancelling Cancel Culture. Very warm welcome, as always, to all of my uh, loyal subscribers on uh, Podbean now, I suppose, and all of my loyal readers from the website. Uh, if you have not already subscribed to Didactic Mind, make sure you do so. Make sure you sign up to the mailing list. It's all going to be there in the description box, uh, both here and on the site. That way you will never miss a new email or a new uh, article as I upload it. Uh, we're up to 40 subscribers now with the site, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not great, but it's not terrible either. Um, it's actually doing better than I expected. And in all honesty, uh, I am quite happy with the fact that we have this many. Uh, given the relatively limited traffic of my site, I think that's a pretty good conversion rate. But we could always have more, because uh, people who subscribe directly to my mailing list get a lot of um, interesting insights that you don't... It's hard to write those into a uh, an 1,800-word or 1,500-word blog post or site post. It's a little bit easier to write those um, into a more personalized email. But uh, please make sure you sign up and uh, make sure that if you have not subscribed already on Podbean that you do so because Podbean is indeed an excellent platform for uh, distributing and disseminating podcasts and uh, I already have a pretty decent following on Podbean itself, which I'm quite, quite pleased about. Um, today's episode is all about cancel culture and the ways in which it has truly run amok. And while we're on the theme of cancel culture, that's a good time to bring up the need to protect yourself. Because the howling mobs of the SJW set will not be satisfied until every last bad thinker has been purged from the ranks of every corporation in the now-converged West. Um, they will come after you. They will come after your money, they will come after your job, they will come after your family, your social circle, your very way of life. They hate you. They will do everything they can to destroy you. Now, for those of you who are in a somewhat public uh, arena or are exposed in some way to the mob, you need to start reducing your exposure. And one of the best ways to do that these days, especially uh, when you're online, is to use a VPN. Uh, I use a VPN almost all the time, unless I have no choice but to drop it for work purposes or for any other specific purposes. Um, but as a general rule, I try to keep my VPN on all the time. Um, <clears throat> the benefits of a VPN are immense. I mean, let me show you what what you can do with a VPN. I've done this before, <clears throat> and I will continue to do it to demonstrate the power of this sort of thing. Here's my actual IP address. This is what my IP address registers as right now. 194.35.233.236. What is my IP address? If you want to um, trace my actual IP, uh, which tells you exactly where you are in the world, my IP address says that I'm in London. In fact, it lists my specific zip code as EC2V, which is uh, basically right next door to Guildhall. I mean, I'm supposedly located right near the London Stock Exchange, uh, near St. Paul's Station. Okay, so I, I know that area well. I used to live not far away from it, over in Tower Hill. 
I know that area, I know St. Paul's Cathedral quite well, I know the entirety of that financial district reasonably well, and I'm not there. I'm nowhere close to it, in fact. I am nowhere near London. You don't, know, have any, you don't have any idea where I am, and you won't, because my IP address does not let you trace me. Which means that anything that I surf and any website that I go to thinks that I'm sitting in London when I'm really sitting anywhere I want. Uh, I am not reliant on a specific location um, to keep me safe. I can keep moving around and I can keep masking my identity and I can keep masking my location. That is the power of a VPN. I'll get on to another reason to have a VPN shortly, but if you have not already got yourself one, I my VPN con connection is coming up for renewal in March, and I'm quite looking forward to renewing it, in fact. Um, my VPN connection uh, has held steady for two years, and I've been very, very happy with it. And I think that every one of you should get a VPN. Uh, every one of you should make every effort to surf anonymously wherever possible. Now, if you want a good VPN, you do have to pay for it. Okay, you can you can get a free VPN service, but it'll last you for ninety days, and you have to keep jumping around. And yeah, it's just a pain in the butt. Um, if you use Tor, the Onion router, uh, that will help a lot. There's no doubt about that. But Tor is not completely anonymous either. The first server that you log into is traceable, and that was confirmed by somebody who left a comment on my site um, on a very important post called Protect Yourself from Big Tech. If you go to that post, I'll have it linked in the description box, but if you go to this post about protecting yourself from big tech, you'll see a very specific comment um, from somebody, or maybe not that one, but uh, you'll see a very specific comment. Yeah, it's here. You'll see this comment from um, uh, a commenter named uh, Vala Ademis. And he pointed out in a couple of small notes, if you use Tor, you will have anything touching your IP address on some government watch list. Couldn't tell you what from, but that stuff gets logged. Nothing likely to ever come out of it, but it's worth noting. The IP addresses of Tor nodes are essentially public information and fairly easy for state actors, state, nation state actors to monitor. And the last hop to whatever site you're connecting to is by necessity not encrypted the same as other Tor link traffic unless you're connecting to .onion sites or hidden services, which may or may not have their own issues. I haven't been researching in the last few years. That's not to say don't use Tor. Any latency-minimizing, anonymizing network is going to have similar issues. That's true. So Tor is not the ideal solution, but it's better than nothing. However, if you want to really maximize your security online, and if you want to really be able to explore the full range of bad think out there, including my site, you need a VPN, and you need to be able to use Tor. Those, that combination of elements will greatly increase your protection. And if you really want to go full hog and uh, get rid of a lot of the spyware and trackers and junk that um, allow companies to track you easily, stop using Google, stop using Microsoft, start using Linux and Brave. I use Linux for all of my... Um, work. I mean, I, I haven't touched my Windows partition in almost two months because it's been about that long since I last played Halo. But uh, if I wanted to um, use Windows, the only reason I would use it would be to play Halo. That's it. That's the only thing I want to do with Windows. 
The rest of the time I can use Linux. I mean, given that everything is online these days, it, all of my work can be stored online for my studies, and that's what I do. I just use uh, um, Microsoft OneDrive through my uh, study account. And for all of my other stuff, I just stay off the internet. I, I keep everything on my physical drives. So, I mean, other than my website, obviously. So, this serves me very, very well. And I am able to live my life reasonably free of worry that the government or some SJW hack is going to be able to listen in on me. That's not to say I'm completely um, out of the woods, because I'm not. But I am significantly more protected than I would be otherwise. So make sure you get yourself a proper VPN. Right now, I mean, as always, Surfshark has a massive uh, um, uh, special sale on for 81% off on a two-year VPN connection. You can get two years worth of VPN connectivity for $2.49 a month. Again, less than a cup of really bad Starbucks coffee which tastes like it was filtered through a hobo's kidneys before it got to you. That's how good a deal that is. $2.49 a month. Give up one cup of coffee a month and you'll have yourself a VPN connection that lets you surf the web uh, almost completely anonymously and allows you to access websites that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Here's another good reason to get yourself a VPN. You can download pirated movies without being tracked. You can look at uh, Netflix shows in regions where they won't be showing up otherwise. If I wanted to, I could log into um, Netflix in Germany by just changing my IP address so that I, I'm now logged in as though I'm from Germany. And I could watch Hot Fuzz, which is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. It is absolutely hysterical. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, go watch it. You will die laughing, particularly in the last 20 minutes. It is utterly, utterly bonkers and completely brilliant. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It is absolutely hysterical. I mean, Simon Pegg and uh, what's the other guy's name? The, the fat dude. Um, yeah, just, I mean, oh, so funny. It's like... 20 minutes, the last 20 minutes of that film is just 20 minutes of slow motion, jumping through the air, firing two guns at a time, you know, dramatic car chases in Vauxhall Astra diesels, for heaven's sake, while firing guns out the window. It's just 20 minutes of like gun porn. It's hysterical. It's, it's, it's just genius. I mean, you gotta watch this movie. If you haven't seen it, it is just brilliant. So, it's not on Netflix in the US. It's not on Netflix in the UK. It is on Netflix in Canada and Germany, as it happens. You can go to something called the Unofficial Global Network Netflix Search or something like that. Um, unofficial Network Netflix Global Search. And it'll tell you where particular movies are playing and in which particular regions. So it's very useful in that respect. So if I wanted to, I could just switch over to Netflix in Germany because I just changed my um, VPN uh, location to Germany and I would show up as though I'm sitting in Germany, which is great. Um, another great application of a VPN is downloading pirated movies. And honestly, you know, I am not the kind of person who would advocate for pirating stuff, or I wasn't until fairly recently. Um, for me to say that you should download pirated movies is like it, it, it's it's unheard of, or at least it was until fairly recently. 
And the reason why is because I'm so sick and tired of big Hollywood, uh, Hollyweird studios trying to shove bullshit down our throats, global homo nonsense down our throats, and make us pay for the privilege. And I'm sick and tired of that. And the best way to stick it to these people is to destroy them uh, with your wallet. Just deny them your money. There are movies out there which are actually a lot of fun to watch. So download them off the internet. You can go to the Pirate Bay and just download them right away. And if you have a VPN, you can do that securely. If you have uh, Transmission, which is a, an open source um, torrent client, you can do it very, very easily. If you have Linux, you can do it really easily because transmission comes included. You don't have to download a, a third-party um, torrent client which might contain some malware which will spy on you. You don't have to worry about that. If you have Brave browser, you can do it anonymously because Brave won't track you. You've got all of these options now to stick it to big tech and big corporations. And given the subject of tonight's podcast, you really should think about sticking it to these people. So the subject of the podcast tonight is, of course, cancel culture. And uh, this last week has seen uh, a very unfortunate example of cancel culture uh, in all of its horror. The Most of you are well aware by now of the fate of one Gina Carano, uh, also known as Crush, former women's lightweight uh, MMA champion in Strikeforce, and I think it was Strikeforce, yeah, it was Strikeforce, and uh, just all-round icon in uh, women's MMA and in MMA in general. Now, I'm not a big fan of women's MMA. There are only like two or three female fighters that I actually like and respect. Uh, Gina Carano is one of them. Holly Holm is the other. And in all honesty, I mean, Holly's really hasn't been very impressive um, since she KTFO'd Ronda Rousey with that epic head kick, uh, which was a thing of beauty, by the way. It's just she fought the perfect fight. Um, if you haven't seen Holly Holmes' demolition of Ronda Rousey in, uh, I think it was UFC 193, you gotta go watch it. It's phenomenal. It's, uh, it's quite something when she just, uh, uh, as, um, as, as that two minute drill said, um, Holly Holmes just cocked that leg back and dipped in the fires of Mount Doom. Uh, it was, that's true. It is, hysterical. That that breakdown is hysterical. you got to watch that too. Um, links will be in the description box. But Gina Carano was one of the few women's MMA fighters that I genuinely respect. And the reason why is because she was really, really tough. I mean, she was incredibly tough, incredibly talented, really capable. Um, would just beat up on people in the cage, but she had real resilience about her. Uh, now, most of you know that she got her face smashed in by um, uh, Justine uh, Cyborg Santos, um, basically Chris Cyborg, uh, Justine Cyborg, whatever her name is. Uh, so that isn't surprising because Chris Cyborg, I mean, look, she sounds like a dude. And there's a reason for that. She's popped before for the use of anabolic steroids. And you can tell it's had an effect on her physiology and on her voice. She sounds and looks like a dude. Um, she walks around at 170 pounds uh, off-season or, you know, when she's not fighting, which is bonkers for a woman. That's, that's an enormously high weight. Um, 
but she just destroyed Gina Carano, and that was the beginning of her, you know, quite terrifying title run uh, as women's, um, what was it, not, not lightweight, featherweight champion, I think. Um, you know, she could never make it down to bantamweight, obviously, but she was uh, one thirty. She was a natural one forty-five, one fifty-pound fighter. So anyway, um, Gina Carano made the transition out of MMA into acting from that point, and she appeared in a bunch of uh, movies, particularly Marvel films. She also appeared in, I think, uh, Fight Valley, which also starred Holly Holm and Cyborg and a couple of others. Um, and she made it big, eventually, as rebel leader Cara Dune in Disney's The Mandalorian. Now, as most people who have listened to me over the years or uh, read my work over the years know, I could not care less about Disney Star Wars. The Devil Mouse Wars stuff, I just, I, I'm not interested in. My Star Wars fandom was destroyed by the expanded universe, particularly the appallingly bad um, Legacy of the Force series, which just uh, it's really insulted my intelligence, and I hated it. I absolutely hated Legacy of the Force, and that just destroyed my my love for Star Wars pretty much forever. I love the old movies. I love. I actually like the prequels. I mean, not the first one, obviously. The, the second one is okay. The third one is actually pretty good. Um, although, you know, you could cut Hayden Christensen out of it and it would be about 10 times better. But, um, yeah, I'm not a, I'm really not a big fan of, uh, the prequels to the, you know, compared with the originals. But then the sequels came along, the Devil Mouse Wars sequels came along starting in 2015. And, ugh, I mean, I saw, um, The Force Awakens and I just thought it was one of the stupidest biggest insults to the entire Star Wars franchise possible. It was nothing more than a high-octane remix of um, the original uh, A New Hope. That's all it was. It was just A New Hope without all of the subtlety and the plot and the care and the direction. It just had a bunch of stupid MacGuffins in it. None of the original influences of A New Hope were respected such as uh, Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Very much worth it. The whole of the, the sequences on the Death Star in um, A New Hope might as well have come straight out of The Hidden Fortress. It's the same thing. I mean, you can see the influence clear as day. Um, and that's not surprising because uh, George, Lucas, George Lucas said very clearly... Um, Kurosawa films were among his biggest influences growing up. He loved those films, and uh, he he really incorporated a lot of elements from Kurosawa into his movies. But Gina Carano was wildly popular as Cara Dune, and there's a reason for that. She's beautiful, well, I mean, not as beautiful as she used to be, because she's obviously put on quite a bit of weight. She's chunked up quite a bit. Um, and she's old. I mean, she's 38. She's, you can't expect her to look as good as she did when she was 28. Okay, it's just that's that's how that's that's what happens to women. They age. Um, Gina Carano has aged reasonably well, not great, but reasonably well, and she still looks pretty attractive. And more than that, she is was and is a genuinely strong female character, but without being bitchy. And the, the same with uh, Katie Sackhoff, who is um, 
uh, what is it? Um, some Mandalorian fighter of some kind in both Star Wars Rebels, um, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and uh, in The Mandalorian. So all of these sort of strong female characters are in there, but they're strong and female without being irritating and bitchy, the way that um, Rey is in, uh, in The Force Awakens. The bestest ever! Uh, Rey is just irritating beyond belief. Uh, she's just... She get every. She just does everything perfectly. Nothing's a struggle for her. Nothing is difficult. Whereas with these female characters, they they have flaws. They are human. They have issues. They they grow and they develop, and it's fun to watch. And it's interesting to see their stories. And the thing is that Gina Carano herself, Miss Carano as a person, apparently is just one of the nicest, most down to earth, humble charming, smiling, happy people that you could ever hope to meet. I don't know, I've never met her, but everything that I've read about her indicates that she is just a, a really lovely person to be around. And this is also a factor in her firing, because this is she's such a nice person, and yet she holds to non-standard points of view. Now, this doesn't surprise you and me, obviously, because that's the reality is that most of us on the hard right are actually really nice people. I mean, if you get us into a bar for a beer and, you know, with these stupid coof lockdowns, um, who knows when that'll happen. But if you actually sit down and talk to us, we're actually very normal. We're just, we're, we're normal, ordinary people. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not swivel-eyed loonies howling at the moon. I mean, we do, we act like that, but we don't, we don't actually like that in person. We're just really ordinary, charming, fun people to be around. Um, that's what Gina Carano's like, and uh, apparently, I mean, from everything I've heard. But she's not an ideologue. She's not interested in taking part in partisan flame wars. She just has her own opinion, and she expresses it. And it's not an opinion that conforms with the rest of mainstream Hollywood. Now, if you find yourself in the position that she was in, where you are surrounded on all sides by ideologues, the first lesson for you is to keep your cool and keep to your principles. You may lose your job, yes, and we'll get onto that in a bit. But you need to stay true to yourself. Do not bend for the sake of the crowd. Um, you will come under tremendous pressure to do so, and Miss Carano clearly did. But she refused to bend. She refused to break. And that's the reason why so many people admire her. It's one of the reasons. She apparently... Uh, retweeted a number of things that uh, President Trump said or that uh, Trump supporters said and did. And that marked her out very clearly as a bad thinker, a, a, a deviant, someone who must be terminated, who must be destroyed because she does not think the way the rest of the mob wants her to think. Well, good for her. That's a good thing. And if you find yourself in the same position, you should hold yourself to the same standards. Think for yourself. Do not let other people dictate what you think. This is how you cancel cancel culture, is you just literally stand up and refuse to be moved. You literally say to the world, no, you move. And that's how you stop it. But it's not enough, because eventually the mob will triumph. They, they will destroy you at some level. They, they will win some kind of victory over you. This is this basically inevitable. They will take a, they will exact a price from you. And in Gina Carano's case, they exacted her job. So the thing is, 
Disney apparently, Disney higher ups, not not um, her direct supervisors or managers or whatever, uh, on the Mandalorian, uh, which would be John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who apparently really liked her and wanted to keep her going and keep her character and really went out for to bat for her with Disney management. But apparently, Disney higher ups, particularly Queen Karen, Kathleen Kennedy, and uh, possibly all the way up to Bob Iger himself, uh, wanted to get rid of her. Because this was this awkward character who just was loved by the majority of the fan base, but annoyed the blue checkmark crowd on Twitter, which apparently is what Disney listens to. Um, so once, uh, once Ms. Carano, uh, made that tweet about how basically in the modern day, um, people are being demonized for their views just as Excuse me, one second. Yeah, just as um, the Nazis did to the Jews by demonizing people of a particular racial origin, um, that released an absolute firestorm of criticism on Twitter. Now, she's absolutely right. There's no question that she's right. There was nothing offensive about her tweet. Unless you're a liberal Jew, in which case you and I are not going to get along, but unless you're a very, very liberal Jew who takes any possible mention of the Holocaust as a personal insult, then there's nothing offensive about what she wrote. What she said was 100% correct. The Germans, under the Nazis, in the 1940s, or actually in the 1930s, demonized the Jews because of who the Jews were. It's that simple. That's what happened. And that's the situation we find ourselves in today. People are being demonized for their points of view, for what they believe, for how they think. People are being demonized simply on the basis of stereotyping, that all Trump supporters are racist, racist drooling, xenophobic idiots. That's how the left thinks of us. That's, that's what they think. They think we're all lunatics. They think we're all morons. They think we're all... Uh, inept, inbred rednecks who want to see black people lynched. And that's absolutely not true. That's not what we believe. It's just that we happen to be realistic about human nature and they can't abide that. It, it, the, the thing with utopians, the thing with utopian schemers is that they cannot abide real world challenges to their points of view. So they seek out attempts uh, or they make attempts to destroy people who think differently from them. And um, that's what we're seeing in the world today. So what she said was 100% correct. Um, but she paid a very high price for saying it. Uh, that was the excuse that Disney management needed to fire her. And that's exactly what they did. They fired her outright. But she seems to have bounced back rather handily because she has now landed a movie production deal, I think, which she's uh, going to direct and star in a movie for uh, little Benny Shapiro's uh, Daily Wire production company, whatever that is. Now, this, I think, is one of two major mistakes she made. Number one, she apologized for her tweet and deleted it. Big mistake. You never show weakness to the SJWs when they're on the, the attack, especially when you're going to be fired anyway. And number two, she joined a neo-Palestinians outfit uh, trying to pr promote so-called Judeo-Christian values. There's no such thing. It's bullshit. There is no such thing as Judeo-Christ. There's Jesus Christ, and there's Judaism. There is no Judeo-Christ. 
and any real Jew, and I'm talking again, real Jews, not liberal Jews, any real Jew will tell you the same thing. They find uh, Christian attempts to conflate Judaism, especially Talmudic Judaism, and Christianity to be wildly offensive. They, they, they can't stand us for it. And, you know, if I were in their position, I wouldn't be able to stand us either. Uh, I think they're absolutely right to feel mortally offended at our attempts to co-opt and subvert their religion for our own. Judaism and Christianity are not the same things. Christianity is the completion of Judaism, but not Talmudic Judaism, obviously, of old Judaism <clears throat> from before the, the time of the diaspora. Um, Christianity is the completion of that gospel, of that scripture. Uh, it is the logical continuation of it, the, the, the extension and completion of it, and it is unquestionably correct. I mean, it's, you can, you, you may find that an incredibly arrogant statement, but, you know, I invite you to inv examine the evidence, uh, and I think you'll come to the same conclusions that I have. And if you are Jewish and you find that offensive, well, understand that the evidence points to this being true. And any of your, any, any Jews who listen to this, I invite you very respectfully and very cordially to read the New Testament and to try to understand who this guy, Yeshua, was and is. And I think you'll come to the same conclusion. But, Benny Shapiro is not to be trusted. Any neoconservative who says that uh, it's, a good, it's good to find people who uh, say bad things about race and make them lose their jobs, as Benny Shapiro did, is not someone you can trust. And this was the second big mistake that Gina Carano made. And she's going to pay for it, I think. Uh, it was a huge mistake. Now, here's the thing. I wish Miss Carano the very, very best of luck. I genuinely respect her. I like her a lot. I hope she does well. I hope she rakes in millions of dollars. And I hope she really sticks a finger into the collective eye of the SJW left. I think she's going to do very, very well for herself. She's very, very tough, and that's very obvious from the way she's comported herself in the wake of all this nonsense. She's really a tough woman. She's not, she's not intimidated. She's not scared. And, um, yeah, I mean, yes, she spent a, a day crying into a pillow or whatever. Okay, fine. She's a woman. I mean, I'll excuse her for that. I've been through similarly horrid situations myself. I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't feel emotionally overwhelmed during those times. Um, I was lucky not to lose my job over one of those incidents. Um, actually, a couple of them. So, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for Gina Carano, and I don't think that she uh, is is beyond her rights to feel hard done by. She she was very hard done by, but she's responded to it the right way. She's picked herself up and dusted herself off and carried on. And this is where we get to the practical advice for you, okay? What happens if you find yourself in a similar situation? How do you cancel cancel culture? How do you get around it? Well, you must keep in mind the wise words of our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord, peace be unto him, Vox Day. The first thing you must do in order to stop cancel culture in its tracks is read three books. SJWs Always Lie, Taken Down the Thought Police, SJWs always double down, confronting the thought police, and corporate cancer. These are the three most important books you will ever read on the subject of SJW politics. 
The first book shows you what SJWs are, how to identify them, how to find them, and how to take them out. You should read it two or three times to fully absorb the material. The second book isn't quite as good, but it's still pretty solid. SJWs always double down. Uh, this is a superb book because it gives you tools for fighting the SJWs. It gives you actionable advice that you can use to stop them from infiltrating your organization. If you ever find yourself as a, in the position of a hiring manager, bringing in talent, you must stop yourself from bringing in SJWs. Um, they will corrupt and destroy your organization. It's going to happen. These are the people who are going to insist that everyone start using personal pronouns, you know, he, him, uh, she, her, whatever, in, in their email signatures, which is, uh, I mean, it's beyond stupid. They, these are the people who are going to insist that everybody show up for a voluntary uh, anti-racism rally. These are the people who are going to say, you need to show your support and solidarity for LGBTQ, what the fuck is this shit nonsense, uh, every time it comes up. These are the people who are going to say, you need to celebrate Black History Month, or Pride Month, or whatever. Whatever the cause celebre is for, of the day, whatever the cause du jour is. These are the people you need to keep an eye out for. And if you let them into your organization, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. So you must stop them. But you're only going to be able to stop them if you know how to do it. The response, the appropriate response when you see an SJW as a manager is to stomp on him as hard as possible. Fire him instantly if you can. That's what um, the, the chief executive of Red Bull um, did. He's a proper alpha male, that guy. I mean, he had a couple of... Um, executives in within Red Bull itself, they, they were mortally offended over some hilarious meme map, uh, which basically showed how America views the rest of the world. And it, it is hilarious. I mean, it, it's wildly offensive, but I mean, if you find it offensive, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I, I have no time for you. Um, I have seen that map many times. It is hysterical. It basically says, Russia's all full of commies, China's all full of commies, Europe is all full of socialists, um, Africa's crap hole, Latin America is just drugs, India is um, spicy food or something, Australia is all spiders and snakes. Uh, it's, it's wildly insulting to every single uh, territory there is. I, I wrote a post about this a while back, uh, when it happened actually, and um, I, I thoroughly approved of what uh, the chief executive of, of Red Bull did. He, he fired these people instantly. He was like, no, sod off, get lost. Um, which was great. And um, that is the model of behavior for everyone else. You need to be willing to take a stand against these people. Understand when it's happening to you. Okay, This is some of the most important advice that comes out of uh, SJW's Always Lie. It's really important, really, really vitally important. Um, SJW's Always Lie is critical because it tells you how to respond when you're under SJW attack. And it will happen to you at some point if you insist on thinking for yourself and not putting up with uh, a lot of stupid nonsense. Um, eventually, you're going to run afoul of some nonsensical, dumb policy, some stupid corporate directive, which 
you know, you'll say the wrong thing or piss off the wrong person uh, for, and you know, it'll just give you good reason to uh, kind of, uh, it'll give that person good reason to kind of come after you. That's a big problem, and you're going to need to be prepared. Um, when it happens to you, you need to keep calm, and you need to understand that nobody around you particularly cares, and nobody's going to help you. A lot of fans of Miss Carano were absolutely enraged at the fact that none of her Disney castmates did one thing, one single thing, to prevent her from being fired. I understand where their anger comes from, but you have to realize it's very unusual for anybody to lift a finger to stop um, something like that. I have been laid off three times in my life, okay? The last two times, I was working as a product controller in a bank, and my traders absolutely loved me. They really enjoyed having me around, they appreciated my work, and they were big fans of mine, but they, they didn't pay for my checks. They, they didn't pay for my salary. I wasn't paid by the front office. I was paid by the finance division. And the finance division didn't like me because I kept working for the traders, among other things. And I seemed to be kind of a relic of a bygone age because I was part of this old risk platform and not, uh, not the sexy, shiny new one. Um, and the question then became, well, what am I going to do? You know, what, what are they going to do with me? How are they going to... Uh, keep me moving ahead uh, or keep me on the payroll. And I was like, well, he's difficult to manage. He speaks his mind. He's not interested in being a team player and so on and so forth. So I got a lot of that. Um, when I was finally let go from my last corporate job, the, the traders on the securitized trading desk, particularly on the commercial real estate desk, were so angry particularly the MD of that desk, the guy in charge of the whole business, which made like $100 million or more every year in revenue, in, in P&L, in profits. That guy got so angry that he went all the way up to the head of global trading, like for the entire bank, and he said, what the hell did these people in finance do? You just got rid, this bank just got rid of one of my most important people. Like, I can't run my, I can't do the things I need to do if he's not around. And the message from the top was, well, look, you know, it's, what's done is done. We can't undo it. It's, it's over. And the same thing happened in my previous job before that. The, the head trader of my desk was like, why the hell did you do this? Why did you let him go? You didn't consult with us. This guy is vital to our business. How could you just let him go like that and not consult the business? And it doesn't matter. I mean, I've been lucky in that respect that two, senior, you know, MD level people came out to bat for me. But that's very uncommon. Most of the time, if you're in that position, nobody's going to um, come out and, and bat for you. It's not going to happen. So get used to it. Get used to the fact that you're going to be alone in fighting that fight. Be prepared to take risky stands, is what I'm saying. And be prepared to be unpopular. Uh, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable, but if you want to do anything useful with your life, you're going to have to make some unpopular stands once in a while. And yeah, it may result in costing you your career. Well, 
I've got news for you. As somebody who's seen his career go straight down the shitter a number of times, there are worse things in life. I have been through traumas and pain over the last three years that I would not wish on anyone, including, you know, four back herniations or back injuries in one year. In 2019, I, I injured my back four times. Um, it was horrible. And uh, on top of that, I mean, I injured it, I think, twice, maybe, in 2020. Well, you know, maybe once. It wasn't even my fault that I injured it. I was like, it just, I was sleeping on a, I was in hotel quarantine and the bed was a bit soft and stupid. And because of that, sometimes your back does silly things. So I was doing some burpees one night to exercise. And the next day I, I, I woke up. I mean, I just got out of bed and my back, my spine went ping. I was like, what the hell? I mean, I wasn't even lifting heavy weights. It was the only time that's happened all of last year. Um, but what I'm saying is that Compared to all of that, you're probably not going to face that kind of misery if you just take a stand. I mean, I lost almost everything in the space of 30 minutes. That's how bad it was. I lost everything. I, I lost my job. I lost my career security. I lost my right to stay in the U.S. I lost I didn't know it at the time, but I lost my apartment. I had to put all my stuff in storage. I had to pay an enormous amount of money to, um, to, to unwind a whole bunch of obligations. I, you know, I, I faced, I didn't even know when I was going to recover. I, I, I applied to like over a hundred jobs, got rejected from every single one. Um, I lost an incalculable amount. It is just, it shocks me to think, how much I lost. It, 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 is, it is painful almost to think about how much I lost in that time. Understand that you're probably not going to lose that much. And so if, if it is a choice between keeping your sanity and keeping your job, choose your sanity. Your, your job is just a job. Even if you're close to retirement, look, understand that it's not worth being a slave. It's really not worth it. Don't let yourself get to that point where you're utterly dependent on someone else for your daily sustenance. Don't do it. Um, don't let yourself become overextended in your lifestyle as well. Make sure that you live within your means. Don't uh, take out too much credit. Uh, don't think that the world depends on credentials and certificates and papers. I mean, it does if you live a corporate life, yes. You have to have the right credentials and the right, um, the right connections. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's true. If you want to go through life as a corporate slave, sure. But if you want to have a life as a free man, then what matters much more is how much value you actually deliver to people. So don't trick yourself into thinking that you're stuck living a corporate wage slave life. There's a very good book um, called Corporate Land by Frank Servi. It's uh, on Amazon. And I mean, okay, very good is perhaps a bit of a stretch. Uh, it is rife with the, the kinds of spelling errors that you find in Frank Servi's other books. But uh, it is in its own way a good book because it talks about how to survive corporate life. 
That's very good in that respect. A lot of it is extremely accurate. Corporate life is not fun. It's not um, enjoyable. It's, nobody would do it if, if they could avoid it. Um, there are companies out there that actually care about their people. I mean, that's true. There are companies out there that genuinely try to retain their people for decades. But the people who stay in those roles eventually have to sell their souls in one way or another. That's just a fact. Um, I've seen this happen with family members of mine who get, uh, who, who have said to me, you know what, you're just going to have to accept the fact that your, every company is woke. You're just going to have to accept it. That's, that's the price of admission. I'm like, yeah, that's the price of admission for the next few years. I'm, I may have to put up with it for that long. But once I get permanent residency somewhere other than in a shithole country, I'm done. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tolerate that crap. I'm going to do what I want to do at that point. And that's the attitude that you should have. You should not let yourself become utterly dependent upon one source of income. If, if you're going to stand up against the mob, you're going to have a much easier time of it if you know that you can recover from anything they do to you. And that's where, again, the Supreme Dark Lord's advice becomes incredibly valuable. Uh, he talks about making the rubble bounce. And what that means is that when they get to you, when you lose your job, you need to make your exit as painful and difficult for them as possible. And Ms. Carano has done exactly that. She's a model of how to do it, actually. Because Disney has, Disney management apparently is reeling from what happened. They, um, this goes back a, a, about a, eight months ago to the height of, or the middle of the Kung flu crisis. This made up scandemic that we're all living through. Um, as crazy as it is. But basically, Disney was burning through cash at an epic rate because Disney is um, ultimately a, uh, a, a, a theme park-oriented uh, company and a movie-oriented company, obviously. So every single one of Disney's business lines was suffering. Why? Well, theme parks were all shut down, obviously, because of the scandemic. So nobody was visiting them. And they were already losing money in at least one of them, Galaxy's Edge, because nobody wanted to, to, to go to Galaxy's Edge because Kathleen Kennedy sabotaged plans to create a Moss Eisley Cantina kind of orientation for Galaxy's Edge and instead had it reflect the new, woke, diverse Devil Mouse Wars, which nobody wanted. No one was interested in that crap. Um, because her, her basic line was essentially, why should we, we shouldn't make Star Wars for 40 and 50 year old fans. For the 50 year old fat guys who watch that stuff, we should make a Star Wars oriented towards the new generation of fans. And Bob Iger was sold on that. And that's what they built. Um, and it's been a massive, massive loss leader ever since. So Disney was burning through loads of cash in their theme parks, um, because nobody was visiting them. Disney was not getting any money from movies because you couldn't go to visit movie theaters. And honestly, most of their movies these days really suck. Um, I went to watch Mulan in Russia <laughs> with Russian dubbing, actually. Uh, and my lady and I were just like, that was a terrible movie. And the only reason we went to watch it was because the movie theaters were open. It was like, well, you know, why not go watch a movie in a movie theater? It's a fun experience, sort of. But it's just so dumb. All the, 
All the stuff that made the original Mulan fun and funny was gone. It was just boring and stupid and annoying and girl power, um, which I, you know, I've, I've had enough of that crap, so I'm not interested in it. Um, and I mean, I, I love Russians. They're, they're very sweet in how naive they are about the degeneracy of the West sometimes. I, try, I have tried explaining to Russians repeatedly about how feminized and politically correct the West has become. And they're like, there's no way that's true. You, you got to be, you, you must be joking. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is how it is. They don't believe me because their culture is so proud and strong and, and secure in itself that they don't believe that any other culture could possibly sell its soul down the river the way that Western culture has. They don't get it. It doesn't compute for them. So when they heard me, when they hear me talking about this stuff, they're like, you must be joking. I'm like, no, I'm not joking. This is what it's like. This is what cancel culture is like. So if you want to learn how to cancel cancel culture, you have to start actually with the people who are experts at it, the Russians, because that's what they went through. Um, cancel culture actually, as bad as it is in the West, isn't as bad as it was on Stalin. The, you know, there's that, 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 old story, and it's not a story, it's actually true, of um, party members all getting up on their feet and applauding and applauding and applauding for 20 straight minutes, almost, as General Secretary Stalin <sighs> walked in, sat down, 20 straight minutes of applause, and Stalin just sort of stood there and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to be the first to stop clapping. And one guy eventually, who's you know, he's a bit old and feeble and is just sick and tired of standing and clapping. So he stopped clapping and he sat down. And the whole of the audience stopped clapping and sat down. Later that night, that man uh, got, got received a visit from the KGB. Never seen again. Died probably in one of the, either in the Lubyanka or in one of the infamous gulags, um, in the gulag archipelago somewhere in Siberia. He died. There's no doubt about that. This isn't a story. This is true. You can go look up the clips on YouTube. And, I mean, assuming that, uh, Susan Wojcicki, Comrade Wojcicki, uh, lets them stay up for very much longer because, I mean, YouTube is becoming just as, is becoming worse actually than the Communist Party of Russia um, in terms of censoring content. But that's, that's a great example of cancel culture taken to its true extreme. You can go read about um, how the heads of the NKVD and then the KGB um, all operated and how Jerzynski and Beria uh, met their ends. There's a great Bill Whittle video about it called the, the I think it's the murder in the Kremlin um, or something like that, in which he was very, very, very critical of President Vladimir Putin. Um, I think unfairly so. I, I do not agree with Bill Whittle's criticisms of Putin. Uh, I have a lot more respect for Putin now than I did you know, eight years ago. Um, or how long ago it was when I saw that video. It wasn't eight years. It was like, what, five years ago or something like that. Um, when I first saw that video. And I think, 
I think Bill was wrong in a lot of his conclusions. But that is the nature of the beast. It turns on itself. And speaking of which, if you want to know how to confront something as evil as communism, you need to read Reagan's War by Peter Schweitzer. Unbelievably good book. I loved it. I've read it, I think, three times. Phenomenal book. Absolutely amazing. You must read it to get an idea of just how intricately planned and executed Reagan's war against the Soviets was. It was brilliant. And you need to watch In the Face of Evil, uh, which was produced actually by Steve Bannon, uh, the once upon a time, you know, chief strategic on of his most illustrious, noble, august, benevolent, and legendary celestial majesty, the god emperor of mankind, Donaldus Triumphus Magnus Astra, the first of his name, the Lion of Midnight, the Chaddest of Chads, may the Lord bless him and preserve him. Uh, tremendous film. Uh, just an absolute masterpiece of a film. Cannot recommend it strongly enough. That's how you defeat cancel culture, is you confront it head on. And you make it very clear that you're willing to stand and fight. Because the thing is, the SJWs cannot abide a hard target. And for all of the mistakes that she's made, and she's made a couple, Ms. Carano is a hard target. And that's good. Because now the execs at Disney are absolutely terrified. They're like, what the hell did we do now? They're faced with mass cancellations of Disney Plus subscriptions. And by the way, if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you are the enemy. You are the problem. Get rid of Disney Plus. I told you earlier, you can use uh, a VPN and Pirate Bay to get all the entertainment you want. So stop sucking up to Disney. Download all the episodes of The Mandalorian. Get them all from Pirate Bay. If you want to watch The Mandalorian, get them all. There's no reason to support that show anymore. There's none whatsoever. So stick it to Disney and make them pay a terrible financial price for what they've done. They're already paying it. Thousands of Disney Plus um, subscription cancellations. Massive amounts of angry, enraged fan letters and calls and emails saying, what the hell did you do? You know, the top management of Disney held a, a meeting back in, like I, as, I, as I was saying before I got sidetracked, uh, back in the middle of last year where they basically said, you know what, it's time to stop playing politics. We need to stop playing politics and start actually being a company again that focuses on making money because making money keeps us afloat as a company. You know, what a, what a novel idea, actually focusing on profits rather than on politics. Gee, I mean, I wish I'd thought of that. Hmm. Um, and they basically said, enough of this identity politics crap, enough of this nonsense where we alienate half of our fan base or more with our antics. We're just going to focus on making cash because we need cash desperately. We're going to focus on money-winning projects like The Mandalorian, and we're going to focus on uh, investing in the brands that we know will make us money. Okay, good idea. It's a sensible idea. And of course, then along comes Queen Karen Kathleen Kennedy, who shoots herself in the face with a 12-gauge shotgun and uh, blows shards of brain and bone all over Disney as well in the process. Um, you should see her, uh, her, her Oscar video. Apparently it's been ratioed so brutally that, uh, YouTube not only turned off comments, they turned off, uh, the ability to like or dislike it as well. And it was unbelievably tone deaf because it was all about how strong, powerful women, Wamenses, uh, are making such a great big difference to film, 
some such crap. And it's, I mean, it's spectacularly tone deaf because an actual strong, successful woman just got her ass fired from The Mandalorian. I'm like, what's the point? But this is how you cancel cancel culture. This is how you make them pay a price for canceling you. You stand up to them. Don't apologize. When it happens to you, and it will happen to you, don't apologize. Make sure that you have an alternative income stream set up and running. I've got the, I've got the basics for you all set up and ready to go. I mean, just look in, um, in, in the, the, the description box. I'll show you how to set up. You can set up your own website. You can set up your own hosting service. You can get yourself a VPN. It's all there. So stop pretending as though you don't have options. You have options. My friend Kyle Trouble will teach you how to set up your own website and make a couple hundred dollars a month, which you can scale up pretty easily into something serious. I mean, you can build some niche websites that will make you real money. I've got a shaving website that barely makes any money, but it's already recouped its costs in terms of hosting fees and stuff because of Amazon affiliate links. That's all it is. It's literally, it's just a bunch of articles about how to shave. And it's not um, in any way particularly profitable. But, you know, if I, if I use it as a test bed to learn from, I can take that, assuming I ever have enough time to do it again. I can take that and build out actual websites that make real money because I can take what I learned from that and scale it up. I can take the revenues from that and scale it up. And I can take the revenues from my affiliate links in various places and scale up my own sites. I'm not stuck anymore, you know, just depending upon corporate America. I will have to get a job eventually because I need, um, like I said, non-shitty citizenship, non-shitty citizenship or at least permanent residency. I am well aware that that's my Achilles heel. But once I've dealt with that, well, what, you know, what, what exactly does corporate America have in store for me? Nothing. There's, there's no future there. So I don't have to base myself and depend, debase myself and depend upon them for it. You know, these are the people who will understand very quickly whether you're going to stand up against them or not. They're going to offer you a ticket at some point, And if you take that ticket, you'll be unhappy, but you'll be taken care of. Whereas if you do what, let's say, Owen Benjamin did and just refuse the ticket and refuse to cut back and refuse to censor yourself and refuse to bend the knee, you'll be chased out of Hollywood. But look at Owen Benjamin today. I mean, he's got, I think, three beautiful children. He's got a wife who's absolutely crazy about him. They're all devout Christians. They live out in a farm in the middle of, I don't know, Sodol. I have no idea where they live, and I, I don't care. Um, somewhere in Colorado, I think. And uh, he makes a living doing three-hour-long YouTube rants, or not even YouTube anymore, um, on unauthorized.tv. He's supported by his fans. He delivers good value for them. And he's happy. What more could you want? He's free. He's a free man. That's what it means when you reject the corporate compact. So that's how you cancel cancel culture. Stand up for yourself. Be strong. Have alternative income streams. Protect yourself at all times. Watch out for yourself at all times. And refuse to bend the knee. Just refuse. Don't take the ticket. Don't let them take over your soul. Keep them out and persecute them whenever you get a chance. That's my advice for you. We're, up th we're uh, very much uh, out of time, so I'll leave it here. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. Make sure you sign up to the mailing list if you haven't done so already. 
I'm about to lose my voice because uh, I don't actually like talking for long stretches, believe it or not, even though I talk bloody fast. Uh, but thank you uh, for listening, and I hope you have a blessed week ahead. Uh, this has been Didactic Mind, Episode 69, Cancelling Cancel Culture. And this is Didact, signing off.